At the beginning of Advent, I told my staff uh, that we needed to decorate the Newman Center for Advent and Christmas, even though the students were only here for half of Advent and classes start uh, the second semester, the day after the baptism of our Lord, the last day of the Christmas season. So Andrew Heller, the campus minister, I settled on a nice candle holder that held four candles for Advent and a white candle uh, in the middle for Christmas. Now as a former engineer, I like to believe that this candle holder went straight from design to production. Why do I say this? Because the candle holder does not work in reality. It may have looked good on the drawing board, but it doesn't work. The candles are too close together. They tend to melt the candle next to them. So we have had to constantly replace the candles throughout Advent. So the other day I committed the liturgical mortal sin of saying to Andrew, we need to replace the pink candle. Now as you may know from my past homilies and bulletin articles that I'm very adamant that there is no pink in the Catholic Church. It is rose, not pink. So to refresh your memory, on Gaudate Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, and Latare Sunday, the fourth Sunday in Lent, priests can wear rose, not colored, uh, not pink, uh, colored roses, uh, colored vestments. Other things can be rose-colored items around the church as well, such as a rose-colored candle during Advent. Gaudate Sunday appears halfway through Advent, and Latare Sunday appears halfway through Lent. Again, Gaudate means to rejoice. In the readings, we hear a lot about joy and rejoicing. In the first reading, we hear from Zephaniah. The first thing I thought of when I read today's first reading was COVID. When COVID first started, we couldn't see anyone in the person. We couldn't gather. We had to shut down masses. The bishop had to dispense everyone from the obligation to go to Mass, which, by the way, has been lifted except for those who are elderly and anyone else who fears for their health. So if you're not coming to Mass but going to Walmart, I, you have incurred a mortal sin by not going to Mass. Anyway, every Mass is a foretaste of heaven, but there was something special about the first couple of Masses back together. There was something special about the freedom to celebrate Mass in person again. In a similar way, in the first reading, God was saying through Zephaniah that the good days are going to return. Earlier, Zephaniah had prophesied doom and gloom. This came true in the 70-year Babylonian exile of Judah, the southern kingdom. But after those 70 years, Judah would be restored. When that happens, there will again be joy in Jerusalem. Parents uh, don't rejoice in punishment, or at least they shouldn't, but they should rejoice when the children learn their lesson, change their ways, and life and harmony are restored. In the same way, God was being a good father to Judah. Things were so bad that he allowed them to be punished, to be defeated and exiled by the Babylonians. But after 70 years, after the proper punishment, the good times are going to happen again. In the Gospel, John the Baptist is out and about. Crowds are drawn to him. Why? Because he was not preaching something feel-good. No, he was telling the people they needed to repent and change their ways. In today's Gospel, he tells them they need to give, oh, give away their extra cloak, their extra food. 
The tax collectors need to stop being greedy and collecting extra taxes. And the soldiers need to quit extorting and falsely accusing people. We need to quit making excuses for our own behavior. We need to change. We need to start doing what is right. We need to do what is holy. I'm including myself, but I think as a society, we are so good at being busy and entertaining uh, ourselves that we can easily ignore problems in our lives. This allows us to be content, but sometimes it can get in the way of being happy or truly joyful. It's like someone who needs surgery and it is in constant dull pain, but refuses to get the surgery. Yes, surgery would be an increase in the pain, but it would be temporary. The better life is the life after surgery, but it's easy to become familiar and content with the pain. It is cheaper spiritually and psychologically just to keep doing what we're doing. But Jesus did not come to give us coping mechanisms. He came to give us life to the full. As John proclaimed 2,000 years ago, despite their great expectations, he was not the promised Christ. He said that there would be someone after him that was mightier than he was. This mighty person would baptize not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this is the great secret. We are called to change. We are called to holiness within the context of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We do not have to do it on our own. Jesus gives us the fire of the Holy Spirit at our baptism, and he offers it it to us every day if we are willing to accept it. We are born with original sin. We are born in opposition to God. Our baptism changes this. It removes the stain of original sin and makes us sons and daughters of God. It gives us saving grace. It gives us the grace we need to get to heaven. As we grow older, as we reach the age of reason, about the age of seven, we can start to exercise our free will and reason to either accept or reject that saving grace. Every time we accept or reject God's saving grace, it changes us. It changes us either for the better or for worse. Again, I think we can become blind to those subtle changes in our souls. We are too busy and entertained to recognize the subtle changes in our souls when we do good or bad. I believe a lot of us go through life with this subtle pain in our souls. This is not what God wants for us. He wants us to live life to the full. He wants us to rejoice. Rejoice because He has created us. Rejoice because He has redeemed us. Rejoice because He died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead so that we might have eternal life in heaven. So I encourage you to slow down, to rejoice in the Lord always, because as St. Paul said to the Philippians, the Lord is near. I encourage you to slow down and pray. As St. Paul continues in prayer with a thankful heart, make a request to God. I encourage you to slow down and pray. Bring your problems in your life before God. Allow Him to punish you if He needs to. If we slow down and address our problems with God in prayer, we will know the peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace in Christ will guard our hearts and minds. A slow and prayerful life, completely open and vulnerable to the refining love of Christ, is better than the anxiety-filled, walls-up life, fear-driven, constant-motion life so many of us live. 
Just like the people in the gospel, we need to change our life patterns. We, need, we may need to slow down. I pray as we continue this hectic time of the year, we will take time to slow down and let God and others love us. I pray we slow down enough so that we can pray and receive healing to our problems from God. Allow God's love to change us. The Lord truly wants us to rejoice, to have a spirit of joy, to be free of anxiety, to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Just as Zephaniah says that God rejoices over Jerusalem, we are the new Jerusalem. God rejoices over us. Slow down and share in God's joy for you.